Welcome to Renewal, the podcast. I'm your host, Lawson Hannaford. Uh, This is season one of our podcast, looking at renewal and how the gospel of Jesus Christ changes lives from the inside out, from the local church to the community, to our cities and to the greater world. We're looking at the history of uh, revivals. We're looking at the biblical view of revivals and how it starts here and now with us as God's people. Uh, This is Season 1, Episode 3, and we're looking at renewal in Eastern Europe. I'm your host, Lawson Hannaford, and I'm here with a special guest uh, live from Wroclaw, Poland, Charlie Tatira, who is a church planter uh, over there in the early stages of planting a new church. I just want to welcome uh, Charlie to the podcast. Good to have you with us, my brother. Hey, Lawson. It's great to be with you guys. Thank you, mate. And... um, I guess we're in a very interesting time uh, to be recording a podcast because uh, things have changed dramatically. Uh, Even, I guess, three weeks ago, uh, what's happening in Eastern Europe uh, with with the war between uh, Ukraine and uh, Russia and and all the refugees coming into Poland was almost unthinkable uh, over three weeks Mm. ago. Like things have drastically changed. Can, can you give us an insight of about, um, I guess, as we get into and eventually get to the topic of a renewal mm. in Eastern Europe, can you give us an insight what's happening on the ground now? Um, how are you uh, feeling? Uh, what's the mm. sort of physical, spiritual, um, political uh, situation yeah. on the ground? Mm. Well, um, if, you, if you live in this part of the world, in Western Europe, three weeks ago you you woke up to a different world, like unimaginable. You, you wouldn't think it would happen. Um, you wouldn't think it was coming. Well, at least for two reasons. Um, because of the war, obviously. Uh, first reason is the humanitarian disaster that is unfolding. So uh, here in Poland, um, today we have almost 2 million refugees. Wow. Uh, that's a lot of people. And those are What's the population who, of Poland? Uh, 40, uh, 38 million. Wow. Wow. So, so uh, you've just had a, like another 2 million come in. So you, your population's yeah. increased by, what's that, 5% like in, in three uh, weeks? Well, less than that, uh, 40 million. But, uh, but we hit 40 million now. Uh, well, I guess for any, any country... The, doesn't matter of the size, 2 million people is a lot. Yeah. Especially yeah. if those are people who are coming with pretty much nothing. Mm. Uh, so a lot of those people, they lost everything. Uh, the city has been destroyed. Uh, they had a couple hours to evacuate. Um, and majority of them, they couldn't feed anything on the train or bus. So they came literally with, with um, a small back in their hands or pretty much with nothing whatever they can can hold to their hands that, that's all so yeah. those are people who are running away and obviously they um they they not only physically exhausted they are emotionally exhausted uh i spoke with them um with a pastor the other day who escaped uh, one of the cities in eastern europe which is completely destroyed now And he said uh, he left with his four kids, uh, with his wife. And he said his house, um, everything he knew in back uh, 
in Ukraine is completely destroyed. Wow. And uh, he, he doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know what to do. Um, hopefully, like, I mean, gladly he, he found an apartment here in Poland uh, and he, he got it for, for free for, for sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but there, there are a lot of people like that. They just come here and they leave destructions behind them and, and they come here and, um, and they don't know what to do really next. Um, so, so there's a lot of neat uh, physical, emotional, spiritual uh, in those people. But also the, the other reason that everything has changed uh, for you if you live here is because the war happening on your border is really changing you. Uh, the psyche of Polish people has dramatically changed. People became really negative. A lot of people are fearing the war is coming their way. Wow. Uh, it's just a matter of time before the war comes to Poland. Uh, people are generally very, very uh, uh, upset. Not only upset, but they're really fearful of what's coming. Mm. Uh, and you, you can kind of sense it in the air that uh, that's what people are thinking. Wow. Uh, so there is, there is this dramatic need for hope. And, and obviously, that's where that's where the gospel really fit perfectly uh, in every situation, but also in this situa- situation. Uh, people are people are hungry for for good news. All they hear is a negative news from the from from TV, from internet, and there's plenty of that. Uh, the, the the plenty of Polish people who are um, actually withdrawing money from their bank accounts. Uh, sitting with passport on a desk and just waiting when they go. Oh, they're, they're ready to go. Um, yeah. So, so wow. Like wow. that's that's what the state of Polish people. I speak to people uh, like mature guys with kids and families, mm. um, and one of them just told me the other day. He gets home, his wife is crying, watching TV. Uh, his kids are um, asking, "Well, is the war coming our way?" And he says, like, he doesn't know what to say. He just hasn't prepared for such a situation. Like, he doesn't wow. have this um, in him, built in in him, whatever it is, to help him to, to navigate the life right now as it is. And mm-hmm. it's a mature guy with, uh, you know, business and uh, a lot of experience in life. So, yeah, so um, it is a new situation. And, and the war... Even if it's on your border, it's not in your country. It's changing you, and it's changing everything dramatically. It gives you a different perspective on life. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of the overview of uh, what's happening here. Should I continue in that way? Well, I, I, I'd love to know, um, I guess to get an insight into thinking about like how Polish people uh, are spiritually because all these things are connected. I mean, I mean, you've said like people are fearful. Uh, you've said people mm. are without hope, but but I guess the reason for that is because uh, they don't mm. have a reason to have hope in the midst of their circumstances being very yeah. dark. And so mm-hmm. there's obviously spiritual undertones here in that. One of the beautiful things about the Christian faith is when you have hope in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Even when there's the most difficult yeah. things happening, you have this undergirding trust that God, you know, Romans eight twenty eight, you know, God works all things mm. together for good. Um, Genesis, uh, you know, fifty, I think it's uh, twenty four. Like what what they intended for evil, mm. God works for good. Yeah. So, like you've got that undergirding hope as a mm. Christian, uh, but it is like 
even though um, Poland is, I guess, 98% Catholic, uh, I, I don't suppose people have that hope because Catholicism yeah. is a bit of like is a, is a darkness yeah. across the country. Can, can, you, well, can you speak to that? Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly overlaps with uh, what the Christian, what the Polish Christianity is built on. So, so if you're born in Poland, you're born Catholic. Uh, pretty much, ninety-eight percent of Poles are Catholic, uh, and the way that uh, Catholic Church preaches—I um, wouldn't say preaches the gospel, but preaches its foundation for your spiritual life is you basically need to be good and obey in order for God to bless you. That's yeah. the, that's the paradigm, the Christian world, par, world, like a paradigm for, for, for anyone who wants to be a believer. And, and that obviously needs you to think if something is going uh, terribly wrong in your life, it means that you've messed up yeah. and God is cursing you. Uh, uh, for your disobedience. So, uh, if there is a if there is a war on the border, okay, people uh, people are fearful that it's um, uh, for some it, it is God punishing us for evil for for uh, for bad deeds, uh, and then that, that obviously doesn't help uh, with navigating the stress of life. Uh, but that also it's um, it's the very reason why we need renewal in our country. Like this is why uh, we need to preach the gospel of grace, uh, the gospel of resurrected Christ who defeated the death, uh, a gospel of God who loves us and uh, and has prepared eternal, uh, wonderful world for us in the future. Uh, and no one can take it with, from us. And and God, who wants to have a personal, loving relationship with us, um, based not on fear, but on uh, uh, on joyful, um, loving, uh, intimate relationship. Um, and it, it really, it reminds me of the time. Uh, one day, I I asked a, a friend of mine, "What was the?" What was the phenomenon phenomenon of Billy Graham? Like, why has mm. God so mm. blessed his ministry? Mm. And obviously, there, there's a God's um, sovereignty and the power of the Spirit. But he also he also said, "Look, Billy Graham uh, came after the Second War, mm. Second World War, mm. um, when people were really hungry for hope." Yeah, and. I trust that this is such a time uh, right now in Eastern Europe where people are hungry for good news, for, for hope, that someone will speak hope into their lives. Um, and I trust that this is the right time uh, to really um, push on with the good news of Christ and, bring, and deliver people a hope they can, they can hold on to even in a time of fear of the war. Yeah. And for those who are actually escaping the war, I mean, I mean, meaning Ukraine, uh, Ukrainian people right now. Mm. Um, so, so I strongly believe that this is the time that we, we should be pursuing. I mean, we have no, we have no um, other option. Like uh, 
people like churches in Poland are very small. Um, they're very weak. You would, you would like if you look from the outside, uh, they're small in number. Historically, there never been a there's never been a revival in this part of the world. Wow. So, so in, in some context, you might arrive as a church planter, and because there are so many Christians in your city, that mm-hmm. whatever you do, you might feel like, well, you, you would never actually say it, but in your mind, or you, or you function as, you will, by your own strength, you are able to, to plant a church and do a ministry well. Yeah. Well, here, uh, pretty, like I've been here for two years now uh, uh, as a church planter, uh, back after 12 years in Australia. And being here uh, after th- those two years, I, it became obvious that if Charlie wants to plant a church, Charlie will, it's not able to do it by his own strength. Mm. It is just impossible. Mm. It is yeah. uh, such a hard ground. It, uh, Christianity is so small uh, that unless Christ will break through, if, if he will do that, then you have some, you, you have the chance of doing it. Like, so, so you, in that sense, um, I would say that spiritual landscape works for a benefit because we know that without renewal, uh, we know without uh, Christ doing it, what we want to do, uh, we have no chance. So, so basically, um, what I was what I was getting at in some places in the world, you might uh, uh, cheat yourself uh, and and planet planet church without fully depending on Christ here. I guess you cannot do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, as, as I think about, yeah, the heart of renewal, it, it's actually seeing that God is the one who wants, you know, people to come to faith. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, God wills that none would perish, but that all would come to a knowledge of the truth. And actually, he is, is the missionary God who first came to us. I mean, like, you know, he created us. Uh, he set about a plan of salvation, you know, uh, when human sin entered the world, and then he sends his only son in order to reach us. So it's really his work that he wants to do, but he chooses mm. to partner with humans. I, I just want to, I guess, reflect on Billy Graham for a minute because that's a really interesting paradigm in in just thinking about the success of Billy Graham in, I, I guess, uh, places in and a time in the world when um, there was a, a lack of hope and, and a real uh, spiritual openness. I mean, thinking about even Australia, uh, I think one of the, I think Billy Graham came a, a, a few times, but the first um, crusade was in Australia in 1959. And uh, it was at a time when, I guess as a country, there was actually a substantial amount of success over here, post-war success. Like my parents used to talk about um, there was, you know, like you could choose your job. Like mm-hmm. you, didn't, you didn't really apply for a job. They came looking for you and you could choose because there was just an abundance of work. And so, so there was this, there was, a, I guess, a hole in, in the world um, in the sense that there was lots of opportunity, but also there was a, a sense well, where they've seen the dark side of humanity. And so the, the, they weren't mm. sort of caught up in, uh, you, you know, kind of gender or, or, or sexual identity issues, which are, are, are really superfluous yeah. to a humanity that has much deeper heart issues relating mm. to our relationship with God. And so it was at that time that, you know, 
in a particular method, like a sort of like a speaker coming to crowds and stadiums to, to speak that like thousands upon thousands of people were converted all around the world. And particularly in Australia, I mean, my, both my parents went forward uh, at a Billy Graham crusade. Mm. My gra- grandparents were converted. My auntie was converted wow, during the, the, the Billy Graham uh, crusades. You know, the, the, the largest attendance at, at the biggest sports stadium in Australia, which is, um, the Melbourne Cricket Ground or the MCG, uh, the largest attendance wasn't for a cricket game or, or a football game. It was actually for during a Billy Graham crusade in 1959. Wow. There was more, more oh, than 130,000 people were there. What so, a time. yeah, so like to, to see, to hear about that kind of work, you go, yes, God can do amazing mm. works of renewal, but there's, there almost needs to be a like humanity's uh, hard-heartedness needs to be broken mm. uh, before mm. we see... Uh, before we see God come and and do something that is actually well beyond us. I think you've reflected that well. I mean, because looking at Eastern Europe up until this point, uh, like you look at, uh, I think, Poland, which is like 98% Roman Catholic, full of like people trying to earn their salvation through good works and then trying to keep their salvation through sort of penance and, and, and making sure that they don't disappoint disappoint God rather than being saved by grace, which is what the Bible says, then, you know, you've got uh, a lot of uh, Russian and Eastern, Eastern Orthodox uh, churches in, in Ukraine. Uh, then next door to um, Poland, you've got the Czech Republic, which is very atheistic. I think the highest percentage of atheists in, in Europe are in the Ukraine. So, uh, sorry, in, um, in, in Czech. So, yeah. like, there's all this according, darkness. According with Athens. Yeah, so so there's there's this real darkness there, spiritual darkness, and it seems like there needs to be something to to wake up uh, the the people and like I just you know and I mean people have been praying for this I'm sure for mm. centuries for, yeah. for, for for a work of the spirit in Eastern Europe and well well, well I wonder on what you're saying if um, the war and especially how the war is unfolding now, it's, uh, it's much quicker than in the past. And what I mean is the images of the war are unfolding before our eyes much quicker than in the past because of Instagram and, and, and Facebook. So, so you sit in your home and you, you look at an Instagram and you feel like you are on war, like you're in the war because of, of the images that you see and it's so close to, you, uh, to your life. And, and I wonder if that those images will not strike a, or will begin a public debate on human heart and what, why human, human are capable of such an evil. Uh, yeah. And I wonder if that will not lead us into um, uh, actually uh, the desire to, to know what's the answer. Like we've been living in a 21st century and we thought again, well, that will not happen to us. Yeah, I, um, I, I we're think civilized. That is, yeah. We, yeah. Our economy uh, are so intertwined with each other. Um, like how, how possibly that, that is happening again? Like what's, what's with human nature and where is our help? I, I, I do wonder whether it's the idea that, I mean, because one of the shocks of this is that, and I, th- I think you're right in saying, like, we're, we're too civilised to have war. Like, like, there's this sense in which, you know, how could this happen in this modern era? 
mm. you know, because we've put our trust in technology or kind of uh, world peace brought about through political alliances or the UN or something, which really have, uh, for all intents and purposes, seemed fairly impotent, uh, th- these things. And yet the very things that people have tr- trust in, sort of quality of living, technology, political power, education, none of them mm-hmm. stand up. It's, it's like uh, the gods that people have put their faith in have failed them, you know, the, the, these little gods of you know, political um, unity or, uh, you know, technology, education. And then when these gods have failed people, people, people are, you know, they're hopeless because, they, well, well, where do we look now? And and so the shock mm. that people are experiencing in Europe and really around the world, I mean, this is certainly reflected in Australia. Everyone is uh, in shock that this is happening and sort of up in arms. And yet I think we've been so um, blind to the reality of the human heart. It's, it's mm. just been a matter of time that humans, and you look at history, and, I mean, the 20th century is the perfect example. We went from the world, the war to end all wars in World War I to a worse war in World War II. And, and, mm. and, then, the, and then the nuclear age afterwards where we had the ability for the first time in history to essentially eradicate all life on the planet. And, and you know, I, I mean ability. None of that could happen without God's permission. Only God is the one who can allow that to happen. But... It seems like every time that we step forward with our faith in these little gods of technological advancement, education, political power, they they consume and they fail us and they come up with new ways to destroy us. And so it's yeah. just left yeah, well, people with nothing. Well, it seems like the world is in such a situation for us to, to visibly see that. Like we had COVID-19 for two years yeah. uh, and now it seems like the war has healed uh, everyone from COVID. I mean, what I mean by now, the, the, the conversation about COVID has changed. There's a new crisis. There's a new crisis. Mm. Uh, and yeah, well, it is unfolding before our eyes that there is a great need for a savior in this world and that we cannot save ourselves. So if it, uh, I guess I want to zoom in on, on the current crisis because I think we've, we've laid um, or we've, we've talked about the lay of the land, I guess, spiritually, and, and there's a great need for revival. Now, c- can you speak to what's happening as people are coming across the border and and, and, and the feeling of mm-hmm. um, like Polish people and, and then like your interactions with Ukrainians and, and, mm. and particularly maybe Ukrainian Christians and what's happening there? Yeah. Well, it's, it's even difficult to speak about it because... Um, People are coming in shock. Mm. And um, w- when you go to a train station, uh, there are trains of people coming from the border every couple of hours in hundreds or thousands. And they come with nothing, uh, literally. So before, uh, before they actually sit down and start thinking what's happening to them uh, on the situation, they, they need to... Uh, like, you know, find the answer for their physical, physiological needs, for the yeah. needs of the children. Uh, so I think the time for, you know, in-depth conversation will come. Mm. Uh, but, but for now, for, for now they're just desperate. They, many, most of them are crying. Mm. Uh, when, when you see them, 
whenever they sit down and have a time to actually rest for a, for a moment, they're crying. Uh, many of them on their phones, uh, talking to relatives back in Ukraine. Uh, so um, a lot of men who actually escaped, who um, left for their children, because if you have at least three kids, you can actually cross the border with Poland. Uh, the Ukrainian government allows you to do that. Mm. Uh, they, they feel like, um, they feel in shame. On one hand, they're here for the kids, but then they're not for the country. And they wow. feel ashamed and, and, and they struggle with that. Mm. Um, well, the, the, need is, the need is so large uh, that wherever you go, there, there's, there's, this, this, there's this need for um, immediate support, like with food, um, all, all the hygienic things that you need for life. Well, everyone needs an apartment. Everyone needs a place to live, uh, to live in. So um, for now, Polish people, because it is such a, um, such a profound experience of what's happening and the fear is so strong that it's causing everyone to do something. So for now, we don't have a, a refugee camps in Poland because Polish people responded with such a care and love and they're given so much uh, of, of their own uh, money towards um, the immediate needs of people. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people um, uh, are taking refugees into their houses, into their apartments. Wow. Uh, so uh, it actually, um, the, the refugees are for now a blessing to many of us because they're really, they're really enlarging our hearts. Mm. Um, uh, but obviously in the long term, it will be uh, this emotional spike, as I call it. Uh, it. It will be exhaust, like it will exhaust people. It will exhaust all the resources. Uh, so what, what we have done with our little community, we uh, we began a, a fund, a, a, a fund uh, like a bank. We we we've built uh, like we uh, open up at a bank account, uh, which will uh, work. To, Towards which will function as a, a fund for women with children yeah. um, uh, who escaped the war, have no um, a male partner, a husband to support them. And they, those people, th those women with children, will need an apartment to live in, to, like, to move in, uh, where they can uh, get the financial support, uh, legal support, uh, when, where they can um, find a job and actually kind of recover their lives, uh, being able to, uh, to assimilate with Polish culture, uh, find a job, and within six to 12 months actually um, uh, go off the fund and, and self-support themselves. Mm. Uh, so so that's, that's, that's what we're preparing for. Um, and we, we, we um, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's our, that's, that's how we want to respond to the crisis. And, and obviously depending on uh, how much money we raise for that uh, initiative, that will, on, on that will depend how many women will, will be able to, uh, to, to, to use that fund. Yeah. Um, but even if that will be just a few, few women, um, from from millions, uh, at least there will be some that will be able to help uh, long term uh, to to actually assimilate in this country and to 
recover their lives again. Mm. Yeah, I, it reminds me uh, in Australia when there's sort of a, a bushfires or floods, which we we seem to get fairly regularly here, and um, yeah. obviously, obviously at a much smaller scale than than the war um, in in Ukraine. But people talk about after the attention of the media and and sort of the people has gone, then they're they're still in a very like almost the same position and yet no one cares anymore because society has mm. moved on to a new crisis. And it just, yes. uh, so that long-term view I think is so important because we must remember that God's heart is for, uh, you know, they talk about um, the, the quartet of the vulnerable in the Old Testament, which is God's heart for particularly vulnerable people. And it's, it's the poor, the refugee, mm the fatherless the and the widow and and you've actually got like those four groups in one in in yeah. the, Ukra- the ukrainian refugees now coming into poland and so mm. the bible tells us god loves these people he is their advocate if we oppress them like he will come after us in judgment so so, so there is a yeah. like there's a real responsibility that the church has to care for these people uh, and, and and address their immediate physical needs. But we know that Jesus is really clear on us needing to address people's immediate physical needs. Uh, I guess I want to I want to I'd love you to speak to, and I think we've we've covered part of it already. But on the one hand, we've said people are hopeless and they need hope. On the other, we've mm. said people uh, like they have immediate physical needs that actually the church needs to step up and 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 get yeah. involved in. But. Um, when you meet people's physical needs, there's still something left behind, and and this is this is an issue that's common to Ukrainians and Poles, is that yeah. they need a hope beyond this life. That, that mm. they need something that will actually transform them from the inside out, like a light in the darkness. And so, yeah. like, how how can we how can we approach that? How can we see this situation where actually? God is perhaps doing something that will give us, you know, hope beyond shelter, mm. hope beyond a job, hope beyond these things. Because really, when when you see war, you realize that life is temporary. Yeah, you, you see that these things we put our trust in actually don't last beyond the grave because people are literally dying, mm. and humanity. Yeah. There's a lot of evil there. Like, yeah. how can we respond to that crisis of the soul, which has mm-hmm. actually always been in Eastern Europe? It's just it, it's become prominent now because people are realizing that there's actually far more to life and things are far more serious in terms of the condition of our soul and the evil of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, let me say, as we said before, I do believe that the gospel is the greatest news people can hear, people can ever hear. And also um, a local church is the best agent of this news. Mm. Um, I, I trust one of the best things that we can do uh, right now is plant more churches. Uh, plant more churches. Hang on, that, can, can you just stop there for a second? You're saying during a like a humanitarian crisis, you, you mm-hmm. were saying that as as refugees are flooding in over the um, the border and and like there's a war going on. The most important mm. thing to be thinking about is actually planting new churches. Well, yeah, wow. but let me put it in. A, but let me put it in a perspective. So, yeah. what I mean by that is, obviously, uh, I'm not just putting. I'm not just saying about hey, renting more uh, 
buildings and putting a crosses on the building and itself it will do a job. That's not what I mean. What, what I mean is that as a church, we need to step, step up and care for those people who are arriving. And part mm. of the care is actually putting them in a community of believers. Mm. So uh, I trust that a refugee crisis must be a, can be a massive blessing for, for, our, for our nation, for Poland, because the gospel saturation in Ukraine is much higher than in Poland. Uh, so what I mean, actually, uh, I have a friend in Ukraine, in central Ukraine, and he just posted uh, something on Facebook, which is incredible. He said, um, Satan is losing because there are in the midst of war, there will be plenty of churches uh, planted across Europe that Satan has not expected. Wow. Because a lot of pastors, a lot of Christians are actually moving out of Ukraine, escaping Ukraine, and, and they will come here and they will need to look after the people. And actually, um, in, the, in the church that we worship on Sunday, we already began a, a Ukrainian, language, uh, Ukrainian um, services on Sunday. Uh, wow. we, have a, uh, we have a Ukrainian pastor who uh, is gathering Ukrainians in one place to worship. Um, we uh, uh, we reach out to another Ukrainian pastor who actually um, wanted to plant a church in Kiev, and he's willing to um, actually partner with us in 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 the future uh, to to actually uh, begin service possibly for for um, short short term in two languages. Wow! Uh, where we can uh, invite Ukrainians into our community and fill them like their home and actually do. Uh, alive in two languages for some time. Uh, Ukrainian is very close to Polish uh, language, so it would be a matter of a couple, just months to, for, for those people to learn Polish. So, so those are just simple things um, yeah. that, that, that I trust that the Lord, uh, you know, Romans 8, God can use everything for, uh, for, for any situation, for the good, for those who love him. And I trust, I trust this is very just... Uh, this is the very situation that the Lord can bring his, glo- his glory to himself by showing that this situation can be a, a work towards spiritual renewal in this city and in this country. So, so I, I love what you said before about church planting is not renting buildings and putting crosses on the buildings. Uh, because I think a lot of people, when they think about new churches, they think about more buildings with mm. sort of like, you know, Christian material, so there's there's an outward sense that there's uh, there's a church here, but actually you're saying that the church is communities of people who mm. are carrying you know the the light of the good news of Jesus and the hope of the good news of Jesus, like so they they're spreading that spiritually, but but they're also bringing people in physically, like like yeah. they're actually agents of God's love yeah. in the world, yeah. and actually yeah. and that is what people need because like they're hopeless and loveless and their, their homes have been destroyed. And, and like, I think you, you've mentioned before when we've spoken that a lot of people won't go back because they have nothing to go back to. Yeah. And, and so actually in God's grace, we must remember that his church is actually the vehicle of the hope of the world, which is Jesus. It's the yeah. way that people meet Jesus is yeah. through churches mm-hmm. starting and people proclaiming the good news about the, the resurrected king who has defeated sin, Satan, and death. Amen. And, and people are relational. We're communal. We need 
boundaries in our lives. We, we need a set of uh, uh, relationships that actually makes our life safe. Mm. And, and for those people, especially those who are uh, fleeing the war in Ukraine, uh, they need community, a safe community. And I trust that uh, a local church can be the foundation for their new life wow. as human. Um, and I trust that actually Ukrainians um, who are, from what I know, uh, uh, in much greater number uh, in terms of Christianity, uh, will, they, but will uh, do the work uh, on their own here in Poland, but we can support them in doing it. Yeah. We can actually support them in planting uh, Ukrainian-based churches or uh, Polish-Ukrainian churches. You know, this reminds me um, of the book of Acts because, you know, when, when there was uh, th this great um, persecution that arose after the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7, the church was dispersed uh, all, mm. all over the regions. And actually God used that wow. evil. God used that evil yeah. to see many more churches come about and many people converted. Yeah, well, it's, it's a really uh, fascinating picture. When you look at Europe, actually, the Central Europe is the least uh, saturated place, uh, uh, like gospel-saturated place in the world, one of the least. So, so, so you're saying least, least Christians, yes. uh, least that Christ is evangelical, that, believe in Jesus, the Bible. That's that right. Stuff. That's right. Yep. People who actually believe the gospel. Uh, yep. There are more uh, probably evangelical Christians in North Korea and Saudi Arabia than in Poland, Czech, Slovakia. Austria. And, and just this past summer, I had a conversation with people. Why is that, that in Eastern Europe, like the further East, in Ukraine and even Belarus, uh, there is this growing number, of, growing number of churches and Christianity is flourishing. Mm. Uh, but that's, this is not happening in, in Central Europe. And I trust with, that with all the evil now that is happening and unfolding in Ukraine, uh, some of the some of the blessing of uh, the gospel saturation of, of the number of Christians are actually in the midst of the crisis are flooding into the central Europe mm. uh, and the central Eastern Europe. Uh, and, and that might be one of the, you know, acts uh, moment where the persecuted church um, persecuted for that, for a different reason, but yet still in, a, in suffering is blessing for those that they, um, meet on the way as they're escaping. Yeah, it, I mean, you, you look at the, the situation and you go, unless God does something, you know, it's, it's fraught with despair and, and evil. And yet it seems like in the midst of this mm. evil and despair, God is doing something. I mean, this is the very way that he seems to work. Out of, yeah. you know, darkness comes life. Out of death comes life. I mean, isn't that like the center of the gospel is that as mm. Jesus died, he paid our, the, the price for our sin. Mm. Like, like he did it. So then through this great evil of the betrayal and the death of the son mm. of God, we're granted forgiveness. And then three days mm. later, he's risen from the dead. I mean, like if that is the pattern that God uh, uses, I, I think we can believe and actually seek and pray for 
Amen. That this would be the very time. I, I think you and I have talked about um, this uh, before 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. It says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Today mm. is the day of salvation. And if you, as you look at the situation in uh, Poland and Eastern Europe and even in the Ukraine, mm. you go, uh, we go, actually, this is a time when God can do a tremendous work. And so I guess we have a responsibility to, to, to pray into yeah. that, to, mm. to, to serve, to, to support uh, you guys who are on the ground there. But uh, we, we can't just see it as a work that we can produce. We need to see it as a work that God would yeah. do. Yeah, amen. Well, I think we need to really get busy right now, and, and we are quite busy, but we need to get busy on, on, on two levels. While one is the immediate help, the physical help, the emotional help of people, as a church, we need to step up and, and actually help those in need. And there, there, there are many of them, there are plenty of people. We have two million almost refugees in Poland. We might have many more millions uh, coming our way, depending on how long the war will last. And in, in what state Ukraine will find itself even at the end of the war. Uh, so, so that's the, the physical need and, and, the, and the financial need that we need to you know, pour into and, and support those people. But also, um, I just read Bonhoeffer a couple of days ago, uh, his, one of his biography. Mm. And, and he said very simple and very profound thing. He said, when people gather to pray, that's it. This is what is called a church. Mm. When people pray, uh, that's what church is. Wow. Uh, so we need to we need to really uh, take seriously this, uh, not only the physical needs but also the spiritual situation. So, so why and do you think? To, we, why do you think that prayer makes a church not not just a building with a cross on it? Yeah. Why do you well, think prayer exactly. makes the difference? Yes, exactly. So church is not a building with the cross. It's people who pray, uh, according to Bonhoeffer. Uh, mm. Well, it's because prayer, it makes our faith serious. Our mm. Prayer is the ultimate uh, uh, way of depending on Christ. It's saying, Lord, there's nothing we can do in our own strength. Uh, we, we don't know how to do what we want to do. We don't know. Uh, we don't have the strength of doing it. But you can fill us with your power, with your spirit mm. for such a task as this, mm. in such a moment as this, to actually accomplish your purposes in this, in this generation. Uh, and, I, and I trust we need to pray. And also we need to preach the word. Uh, we need Amen. to preach the gospel. We need to teach the word of God. Um, those two, those two simple, uh, most important things is that we need to focus on. Um, even thinking about, uh, we spoke about renewal in the past. Uh, every time when a great renewal came, it came uh, due to two simple things people were doing: uh, prayer meetings, uh, passionate prayer meetings, and preaching the word. Mm. There hasn't been a revival without prayer and without preaching the word. Amen. Uh, when I say the word, I mean the, the Bible. And, and preaching it, not just uh, giving people knowledge, but preaching it with the gospel lens. Because there's seeking... a particular way of preaching, isn't there? 
like it's not just saying what the Bible says, but it's actually showing Christ in the scriptures. And, and I would say if, as you zoom in on what kind of preaching do you see yeah. in revivals, yeah. you see preaching about Jesus and, and, and well, his gospel work. Well, Keller says that problem of Christianity is that most of us, we seek our sanctification, uh, we, we seek our justification based on our sanctification. Instead Can you of, put that in English? Yes. So, so we we want to um, we want to be better people, like so we want to be holy before God, based on our own deeds, on our good actions. Mm. Where actually revival happens when we when we when we truly not just know it, but we truly believe that our Amen. sanctification, so our holiness, does not come before God for our own deeds, but from what Christ has done on the cross for us. Yeah. So it's religion says, uh, do this and you'll be accepted by God. Uh, mm. The gospel says, Jesus has done this so that by faith you may be accepted. That's right. So when we preach the word of God through the lens of the gospel of what we just said, that we, we can be saved in Christ, not because on our own deeds and because our, our, not based on our performance, but because based on the performance of the one, of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we, when we truly believe that, that we can be accepted by God just by believing, just by trusting in what Christ has done for us and that that is sufficient for our acceptance. And, and for a Ukrainian refugee who has, you know, like, I mean, let's let's assume that, that there's been a family, they've worked hard, that, that they've tried their best uh, in, in life and all of these things that they've done have, mm. you know, resulted at the end in war and being refugees and without anything mm. and their money having, you know, almost no value and with no possessions left in the world. And, and so mm. they, 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 they come to the end of themselves mm. uh, and... Uh, there's only one thing of value that can really remain is that if Jesus has done all the work required for them to be accepted by God, then they mm. have an eternal hope because all of their physical hope mm. has gone. And yeah. that is life transforming news. And that is actually a hope which can, you know, more than a pandemic can yeah. infect the world and actually bring about a radical transformation across the world. Charlie, I think, um, my brother, I think we're going to leave it there for this week. I just wanted to end on a, um, on a note from, I think, Psalm 85. This is one that's been very meaningful to me. I know it's been meaningful to you as well. Uh, there's these um, uh, sort of few verses from verse 4. It says, Restore us again, O God of our salvation, mm. and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant to us your salvation. And I think in this season for Eastern Europe, for Ukraine, for Poland, for Belarus, for Czech, for all these, uh, Austria, all, all these other nations, we're asking, show us, Lord. Mm, amen. Show us what you mm. will do by, mm. by the, the revelation of Jesus Christ as risen mm. Lord, yeah. crucified, risen from the dead, and show in your church that mm. you are God. 
may, may, may that be our prayer and our hope. Amen. Um, Charlie, I, I'd, I'd love to um, connect again on the podcast uh, with you. Uh, Would I, love to. I, I, I think you shared with me you might be travelling to the Ukrainian border soon to help out with some refugees mm. potentially. Yes, I'll be there next week. Okay, well, look, let's see. And Hopefully we'll be able to connect uh, then. Absolutely. And you can pray for me that I'll be able to um, to show people the love of God uh, the, yeah. there on the border by just working and just supporting people with my hands, but also speaking uh, whenever it's possible about the love of God. And a lot of people are asking now, where is God? Mm-hmm. And and I, and I pray that I'll be able to, to, and the church will be able to tell people, well, we don't know why this is happening, but we know that God does care because he himself, he participated in our suffering by sending his only son to die on a cross. So that shows us that God does care and he does love us, even when we don't understand why this is happening. Amen. Amen. Thank you, uh, Charlie, for uh, being uh, on the show. It's been really good to have you. Uh, Thanks, Lawson. Thank you. For those listening, uh, it's, thank you for being a part of uh, Renewal the Podcast. Please uh, share with your friends, um, make comments, uh, send through feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got any questions uh, you've got uh, for the work that's going on, and uh, we will hear from you next time. 